True wisdom isn't found on social media. Our text this morning is drawn from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that you would lead us and guide us in the way of godly wisdom. We pray that you would help us to hear and to do your word. We pray that you would strengthen us to stand up for what is true and right in a challenging time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Things were going great with my job. My career was coming together. I had a little baby and wife I needed to support, but I was getting paid well, and I enjoyed working for my boss. And then he transferred, and I got a new boss who spent all of his time micromanaging everyone and stressing them out with his endless quest to downsize the organization. I was worried about getting fired and was stressed out when I came home to my family. And then I remembered my dad working hard to support a family, coming home and being stressed out. And then I understood what he felt. It was a revelation of wisdom. This morning, we'll look at the ultimate form of wisdom as we ponder St. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians and see that we are to get godly wisdom. Get godly wisdom. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. And the Apostle Paul says there, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Now when it says there, the word of the cross, you might recognize this in Greek. Ha logos, logos, right? Logos, the word, the word, the word for, gar, who to staru for the cross. Staros is the word for the cross. The word of the cross. You might be wondering, what does that mean? What is the word of the cross? This is the message and preaching of the cross. The message and preaching of the cross is what? It is moria. That's where we get our word moron from. Moronic comes from moria. It is foolishness. It is moronic to those who are perishing. The word of the cross to those who are perishing comes to them and seems like such foolishness, such folly. God come in the flesh on a cross? Men saved through grace? But for the truly wise, it is the power of God. How so? Because God turns everything on its head. Death and the cross are overthrown. And we see that God rescues mankind by the work of the man. It had to be this way. He had to come. He had to be 100% God so that he was perfect. He had to be 100% man so he could come as the final man. He had to reverse what the first man, Adam, did and come as the final Adam The wisdom of the wise and discerning, that is worldly wisdom, is destroyed. God saves men how he deigns to, and God will do what God's going to do. Going on to verse 20. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Paul here says, where is what? The wise. 
That means the one who is clever, learned, cultivated. In our time and place, it might seem that those who think that they're this way, cultivated and learned, are very different than what people thought about that in the history of the world. We see that in our time and place, everybody's about destroying what came before us. So the wise, where's the wise? Where's the scribe, the Jew who buries himself in the scriptures and overlays it with the tradition of the elders so he's up to his eyeballs in culture smog and can't see the coming of Messiah and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then where is the debater of this age? Literally, the disputer of the eon. The disputer of the eon. The one who wants to debate every little thing. Where are they? Where are they? All of this sophistication from the worldly wise. All of this endless brain power from Socrates to Spinoza to Marx to Sartre to Tillich and to Derrida. Friends, I've read it all. I was an existentialist atheist when I was 13 years old. It's not as though it takes sophistication to do that. But look at the trajectory, particularly of Western philosophical culture going up through the French thinkers and now infecting us here in America. And where has it led us? Into a black hole of culture. Destruction where we can't figure out what the difference between men and women are where we destroy babies in the womb and celebrate it, where we think that the problem with the world is humanity itself. All of this great sophistication and endless brain power will spark up a small LED light bulb on the dark side of a moon of an obscure planet on the back end of the Milky Way for about 20 minutes. God's wisdom spoke the cosmos into existence. Can I hear an amen to that? Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. God is in control. In His wisdom, He allowed the world to stab around in its own wisdom and to go nowhere in death and destruction. The human race is always trying to solve this problem. The human race always finds itself coming up to a wall and beating its head on it. Death looms for all of us. And we've been trying to solve it since the beginning. The endless chase after unicorn horns. Trying to find the fountain of youth. Sealing ourselves up in cryogenic chambers thinking that somehow we'll be able to extend our lives indefinitely. And yet here we stand after thousands of years and people still die at about 70 or 80 years old. But our message, the gospel, seems foolish to the world, but is the way. God's way to salvation, verse 22. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jews demand signs as they always did. Endless signs. Come on, Jesus, one more sign. Show us that we might believe. Jesus, he cast out demons. He healed people who were deathly ill. He raised people from the dead. He walked on water and fed multitudes out of his very hands, and yet they wouldn't believe. One more miracle, Jesus, and we'll believe. You're going to run into people like that, especially you guys going off to college. You're going to run into atheists that will say, hey, if God's real, cause something to happen. Make, make, make that cross on top of that that particular plate there, catch on fire. 
Make God come down into a test tube. And all along, they can't see the miracle of what God's been doing for the last 2,000 years. They can't see the simple miracle of God changing the heart of stone into a heart of flesh and multiplied by millions, marching across history, the kingdom of God, transforming everything. The modern world came out of the body of Christ, and yet they still can't see it. The Greeks seek wisdom with endless debates and philosophical parsing and will never believe. And I want to warn you, young people, you go off to college, you're going to meet these professors, and they seem so smart. I've sat under some of them. Not that smart. But you'll start getting into debating. And I've seen people in these great books programs, Christians, and they they get so caught up in debating and endless syllogisms of logic, they forget to read this at the same time. Remember, this is our handbook for life. And they get so caught up in the debating that they debate themselves right out of the faith. But we preach Christ crucified. The Son of God, creator of the cosmos, very God of very God, became a man and went to the cross to die for sin and on the third day rose from the dead. This is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The word of the cross Christ crucified, defeating death, is foolish and weak to the unbeliever. But the foolishness and weakness of God is saving the world and will judge unbelieving men and fallen angels on the last day. You ever think about this for a minute? Some of you are into this. You're somewhat astute, and so you, you know these theological things. Some of you have been, you know, reading people like Van Til, and you read about presuppositional logic and philosophical systems and you know that when the atheist comes to you and they say well I don't believe God because it's inconsistent according to the scientific method blah 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 so where did you get that from where did you atheists get that argument from you have to assume that there's no God but the creation exists you're using our capital that the church built up the first universities were built by the church the modern system that we live in with rights would have been unheard of in the ancient world. It is the church through the body of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit that built the modern world that even your logic that you're using to try to argue against God comes from. Consider your calling, verse 26, brothers. Not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Everyone today wants to be a Hollywood star. Everyone wants to be an Instagram celebrity. Everybody wants to be a TikTok personality or a real estate mogul. I know a young lady back in my old church. She was a college student at one point in time, began to doubt the faith, went off. She said, I loved the great books program that I was in, in a Christian college. I love all the logical systems and the philosophical thought that they gave me. She said, I loved reading the church fathers, in particular Augustine, And then later she says in the middle of this podcast where she becomes an atheist, she says, but I used to believe silly things like a flood and Noah's Ark and a man being swallowed up by a great fish and yet all along she couldn't see the inconsistency of the fact that she liked Augustine. Augustine believed that Jonah was swallowed by the great fish. Not many of those who are called throughout this entire age 
are high and mighty by the worldly standards. Verse 27, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God loves to save the lowly. God loves to deliver the powerless. He loves to turn the tables on the powerful through the powerless. The church is the community of the lowly, the despised, the unsophisticated. Now, I'm not saying that we're fools. I'm not saying that we don't have a brain trust. In fact, we got a deep bench through the history of the church. But the way the people of the world view the church is as the foolish, the despised, the unsophisticated. That's the wisdom of God. And remember that when the scientist tells you that intelligent design is impossible. When cable news talking heads say the people who believe in Noah's flood are idiots. When sociologists tell you not to believe your lying eyes because men and women are completely interchangeable social constructs. We're the lowly. We're the despised. We're the unsophisticated, but eternity launches right here. Eternity comes forth from the body of Christ and new creation springs forth from the people of God. And notice here, it says this, to bring to nothing things that are, even things that are not. God loves to take things that are not and to create something new. Think about this for a minute. If we go back 19 months ago, we're not here. King's Cross isn't here. But look at us now. God's doing something here. God's going to bless us. Many of you, though viewed by the world as being the unsophisticated, have great skills in industry and technology in places of education. What's God going to do with us? God likes to take that which is despised by the world and to use it to transform the world. What might God do with us here in Central Texas? Verse 30, And because of Him you are in Christ who became to us the wisdom of God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Because of God, you are united to Christ, God in the flesh. You have union with Christ. You see that over and over again in the New Testament. In Christu, in Christ, united to Christ. It's one of the biggest themes of the New Testament. And what does it mean? It means this, that you have been united to Christ, that there's this great exchange that has occurred. He's taken us to himself as this prostitute bride and washed us clean. He's taken our sin and our rebellion and exchanged it for his righteousness. He's taken our dirty laundry and exchanged it for his holiness. All he has is ours, and we give him all of our stuff. And it's gone, washed away, because we are united and in Christ. We are in Christ, who became to us the wisdom of God because we had the mystery of the incarnation and crucifixion revealed to us. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. That is our holiness. He is our redemption, and it is fully paid at the cross. The worldly celebrity, the fleshly power broker, the sophisticated, tenured researcher are nothing before God. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. 
the incarnated, resurrected, all-powerful ruler of the cosmos, Jesus the Christ. This is the incomparable, confounding, brilliant wisdom of God. The world was on edge during the COVID crisis, wondering what was the wisest way to contain the disease. The 1854 London cholera epidemic had everyone on edge too. Death roared through the Soho district of London, striking down everyone in its path, everyone except brewery workers. They were in the epicenter of the epidemic. It took a revelation of wisdom for the duo of Dr. John Snow and Anglican pastor Henry Whithead to see the truth. For you see, cholera was caused by polluted water, which the brewery workers, preferring to drink their beer all day, didn't drink. There is a worldwide epidemic that has been ravaging the human race through this age, and the worldly wise are confounded on the wisest way to contain the disease we cause called death. It takes a revelation of wisdom to see that the wisest way to cure this disease is to submit to the wisdom of God. This morning in 1 Corinthians, we see that we are to get godly wisdom. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, make us wise according to your standards, not the standards of the world. Strengthen us to submit to your word and to be wise according to your word and to carry the gospel with us, the wisdom of God, even this week. Strengthen us and make us courageous. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.